0: This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers.
1: It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast, Donnie Fandango, and your pre- and post-game host for St. Louis Blues Action, as well as a co-host on his afternoon show with our dude BK. Oh, BK and the Chiefs, I can't even get started. I love BK. Hold on one second. Alex Ferrario. Great to see you. No. And I, I love BK so much, like this legitimately. Is
0: how, this is how the podcast should start. Okay,
1: I love him so much, but his, his view of the Chiefs is so sickening to me <laughs> that I just can't stand it. So during the game on Sunday night, I stayed off or Sunday afternoon, I stayed off social media like all together. Smart. Um but then like afterwards, with all of the Oh, with the, oh, Pat Mahomes didn't get the call. The Chiefs didn't get the call. When did he get the call? Let me ask this question. How many other freaking times have they gotten the call, Alex? They get the call all the time. The NFL loves Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. They love him. Travis
0: Kelsey, Taylor Swift. Dude, the they money love train.
1: it. And so to go on social media Sunday night and Monday and to see them just seething about the officiating. Now, now. Another story can be made that NFL officiating is, whoa, baby.
0: It's it's bad. I thought NHL officiating was bad. No, NFL's up there. It's terrible. So I understand
1: the frustration, but guys... You got one. And then, like, I think, and I don't know this for sure, and I'm going to ask him one day on the air, I feel as though BK has a deep-seated hatred for the Buffalo Bills. He might not say it, but I really feel like it's there because sometimes he says things on social media, and I'm like, there's... There's more to. There's more. <laughs> there's a here. story
0: behind that. There's Allen. there's something else going. Oh, on. he and I got into it. I. It was a few weeks ago. It was after a game that the the Bills lost because of Josh Allen, and I was like, dude, like as much as jo-, it was the game where he threw like three interceptions and two of them went off the receivers' hands and then the defenders, and BK was all on the 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 buffalo bills train of like look josh allen's a problem and i'm like josh allen's a problem at times but he's got some other issues on that team as well and then they fired what's his face and brought in a new offensive coordinator there might this is why i love being an a not a diehard fan of a specific team in the nfl because man it is fun to just watch the the entire nfl burn at times like the that Mahomes call, the amount of memes that were starting to pop up on social media or pictures of Kadarius Tony on the freaking line of scrimmage, <laughs> staring at the ball, and then hearing the post-game press conference. It's not even a hatred towards the Bills or a love towards the Chiefs. It's more, this is just humorous to me, that a dude who has been playing football probably since he was, what, five years old, yeah. was on the line of scrimmage, staring at the football, I was like, "Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're good. The centerman's back here. The football's behind me. But no, we're good. We're good. Right. Don't even check with the line judge. We're good. No, 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 no. I see the ball. It's back here. We're good.
1: Amazing. The good thing that balances out with BK though is that his love of all things Mizzou, and I have love of all things oh, Mizzou, yeah. and still in that like um, happy land of 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 hoping that every you know maybe one day he can be- get back for me to like the Norm Stewart days yeah, of how he, I love Mizzou. And he
0: cashed in this season with football at least for being." Somewhat decent. Yeah, man.
1: And that's still something that I have gotten, that I still find myself getting used to. Like, oh, wow. Mizzou <laughs> no. is legit. Like, Eli is the deal. You know, so they play Ohio
0: State. Uh-huh. Boy, if they beat Ohio State. Wow, well, in Ohio State, it sucks because they're not going to have their best wide receivers, Harrison Jr., and then their other guys not playing, and then their quarterback's not playing. So, like, you're not getting the best. That's what these bowl games suck because you don't get those best guys playing. But still, to be able to say that you got – I think it's more impressive that they're playing in the Cotton Bowl than they are if they win or lose in the Cotton Bowl. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you don't want to lose to Ohio State, especially if you don't have their, their top weapons with them. But it's pretty awesome to say you're playing in the Cotton Bowl compared to where this team was the last three seasons where you were hoping to get a Above five hundred record. Yeah,
1: it's 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 just so in, it's just incredible the way that college sports have evolved and changed and are still continuing to do that. Really, right before our right before our eyes. Oh yeah, it's really something else. I wonder. You think Luther
0: Burton sticks around for another yeah. year? Oh yeah. Think With welcome? the NIL money, I would imagine. Plus, if you're him, you had a great season. Imagine what one more great season could do for you. Where if Mizzou. Finds a way to pull out for one of those bigger wins next season, and Luther Burden's a part of it. I mean, you're talking a, a high first round draft pick. So because right now you're probably looking at second, maybe probably, late first. Probably late first if he would if he were to to go. And I don't know the, the the whole thing with it. Maybe he's got to play a certain amount of years. But I would imagine you can go into the NFL draft if you wanted. But yeah, if you're Luther Burden, I, I personally won the NIL money. It's like this is great, especially compared to what I'm going to get if I get drafted late first, early second. Also, if I have one more great year where it's me and Brady Cook and we put together a sensational season, you're probably talking about being a top half of the first round selection.
1: I listen when you put your face on a red hot riblet um, bag. I'm, you know, I'm going to be All a right. fan of yours. I, I mean, a hundred percent. So not only go, I mean, he could be going in somewhere else, and I would still be rooting for him just for the red hot riblet factor <laughs> alone.
0: You got to find the one snack that. Uh, that plays into Donnie and I's love. If somebody puts their face on the uh, peanut butter M&M's, you're my fan for life. Dude, the worst part is, though, man,
1: is that I can't eat too many of those damn red hot riblets, or I get friggin' heartburn like friggin' crazy. Anything that's got red hot in it,
0: I'm gonna be red hot in the bathroom afterwards, so there's no point. Also, uh, shout out to Jeff Burton. You ruined me, because all I do now is eat peanut butter M&M's. He was the one that got me into it when he did a pre- and post-game with you and me on Blues Hockey. He's like, have you ever tried these, Ferrari? I'm like, "No, I'm more of the peanut M&Ms he goes dude try the peanut butter M&Ms yeah. now i freaking eat one every blues game when, when i'm here at the station can i tell you can we we got to say the best part of
1: that story yeah. and i don't know if you remember that or not because when we were here oh god that was so amazing and jeff first he went to our break room cuz oh, the period was this. going on the period yeah. was going on <laughs> he goes to the break room he thinks that like the the machine is broken and he can't scan the things or whatever and so i think i go down there with him and i'm like uh, no, dude, you just, you like, scan, scan him here, and, and he was just, he, it was just so, like, Jeff looked so stumped, and I was like, bruh buddy, come on,
0: now let's I go. Now I feel that because I walked in and when he was staring at it, yeah. I thought he was just checking out of it. Maybe he no. was staring at it for a good 10 minutes trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs>
1: dude, and, and then, <laughs> there would be this look on his face, this like sort of almost defeated look that he would just have when, it, when he came back in the studio the and it be snack like-
0: vending machine got me. Ah, man.
1: Oh, dude, dude, Love dude. Love you, Jeff. <laughs> All right, so listen, we have- you know, man, over the course of this season, you know, I think one of the things that you and I, Jeremy, have been trying to do is set realistic expectations for Blues fans. And we've gotten some crap for that. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Totally get it. I understand that there is a plan here. I understand that, roller co- that, that, that we've talked about the roller coaster ride up and down and up and down. But these last couple of games, dude, have been so like i don't even know i don't even know a better way to say it than this like s- simplistically like they have just been like zero fun to watch oh yeah and 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 i know that Jamie has gotten on me in the past and i'm not saying that this is the case i know that that the players are out there giving effort. I, I'm not saying that they're not. But man, oh man, there is a certain amount of ferocity or intensity in which that they don't display all the time, and it is frustrating as all But Jesus, And these last two games, man,
0: pff, yeah, what a couple turns. Especially that Columbus Blue Jackets game, because you got outworked by Columbus. Dude, you got outworked. That was the infuriating part, especially following two games where you know your play didn't look the greatest against Vegas the first one but Bennington stood on his head and let's be honest you you got to your game towards the end and you found a way to keep him off the board that mm-hmm. was the impressive part and then the following Vegas game you were the better team than Vegas in the first period and you let your guard down and what the Blues have done so well this season Donnie is following a game like that second one to Vegas the loss to Vegas. They respond heavy. They say, okay, we knew what our game was in the first period. Let's get back to that here. But they didn't. And, you know, the power play has plagued this team. We've talked a lot about that. But watching Columbus just beat you to every single puck, Mm -hmm. I mean, every single loose puck that was there, Columbus had two guys on it. And as soon as they were on it, they were running up the ice. And then, It's one thing to get beat when you get hemmed into your own zone and when you turn the puck over. It's another when you get beat off the rush like they did against Columbus. That's what we have not seen a lot of from this Blues team. They've stood their opponent up at the blue line and forced them to dump it, go after it, and at least try and beat the Blues. Now we're getting into this phase where, I mean, that Russian line with Marchenko for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Twice in that game, they took the puck from the neutral zone, Into the defensive zone against the Blues, skated through two defenders, and then took the shot point blank on Joe Holfer. I mean, that's what we have not seen. So it does feel like a little regression. And to Braden Shen's point, who was very vocal after that game, saying, like, we got certain guys that decide when they want to show up. The forwards aren't back-checking as much like they were in the first half of the season. And you're starting to see the backdoor tap-ins again. And the game against Chicago backdoor tapping, the game against Columbus backdoor tapping, that's when it starts to concern me because I've been the heavily defender this season saying like, you could say all you want that it's the same team. It's not. And frankly, big picture, like if you jumble up the first 13 games of the final 14 games, different team. But now these last two or three have started to say, like, uh-oh, they're starting to fall back into place, which is scary. And this very much does. And that's one of the things that I kind of thought in
1: watching the the, the games over the weekend. Like, it feels like this has a lot to do with the forwards not coming back and, and, and playing their part in this. Mm-hmm. And then also, I got to tell you, man, and I've talked about this on the podcast with you, with Jamie, it's been something that's bothered me for the last couple of years, man. I do not understand, and I will never understand – why Braden Shin is the only freaking guy that'll drop the freaking gloves. And it is going to happen one of these times, and I got it. But, like, he is going to get hurt doing that. Yeah. And there should be somebody else on the goddang team that can answer the goddang bell. And I don't – dude, I don't understand it, yeah. and it feels to me, man, that that outside and, and maybe not just Jen, I'm, I'm sure that there are more, but he is like the only one that I know that I can rely on every single game for 60 freaking minutes of intensity, and I, I don't, I don't understand, I don't understand that they know they look like crap, they know they're not doing what they're doing, I know they're so much more capable, and they do too. It's just so freaking frustrating and then also to kind of like try to defend it while they're not skating all the way and while they're not digging in for pucks and stuff like that it's just freaking frustrating yeah, man yeah well,
0: and we talked about this i think it was post game versus vegas um, with 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 curbs and I think yeah because Mike McKenna was on the call for that one that was the second game that Bennington got bumped into first game in Vegas you had Barbashev run into Bennington didn't try to get out of the way and then that last game you had Carrier just back skate right into Bennington and that's when the the snowball started for the Blues and that was the thing last season with this team and I I specifically remember JR talking about it with me at the beginning of the year we asked him on BK and Ferrario like when are you going to know that this team is different from last year and he said when I see guys starting to fight for each other, mm-hmm. and the the picture that always comes to mind, and Curbs referenced it as well, is the game last season against Tampa Bay. And I don't know if you remember this, Donnie, but Robert Portuzo bumped into Andre Vasilevsky. All five Tampa Bay Lightning players on the drop of a dime all dropped their gloves and went after Robert Portuzo because that's that's their goaltender you're not seeing that as much from this Blues team, which tells you kind of where they're at. It's the ups and downs. It's what Braden Shen was talking about, where you've got certain guys that are ready to play and certain guys that aren't ready to play. But in a in a situation like that, where your goaltender's getting bumped into, that's where you expect your team to respond. There are guys on this team that will do it, other than Braden Shen. Marco Scandella has done it before, mm-hmm. which is why I was so surprised Shen got into it because Marco Scandella was the one that was getting at Reese Johnson prior to that whistle. Now he go, went off for the, the to the bench. So maybe that was a line shift change. And then Shen came on and did that. Jake Neighbors is going to be this guy. Mm-hmm. And this is why I love Jake Neighbors, not just because he's a power forward, but that Vegas game, boy, he was stirring-ish up with Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, yeah. Like, he pissed Alex Petrangelo off so much that Petrangelo had to slash him. That's the kind of guy to go, need. buddy? Yeah! Tyler Tucker should be this guy, yeah. and I don't think Tyler Tucker has found that comfort level yet of doing it. Um, Booch Davich is shown to be this guy, although you don't want him doing this, but you've got Toropchenko, too, for this spot. Right. Sammy Blay in this spot. There's, there's got to be at some point, and it doesn't have to be, the, oh, you got to drop the gloves and no, fight. and I don't mean it that way there's either. There's got to be somebody who's willing to respond when another guy gets into the grill of the Blues. Dude, it is... It is <clears throat> listen, I understand where we are. You're going to go on these streaks where right.
1: you're going to lose some, you're going to win some. I completely get that. But when I'm watching the game, I shouldn't know midway through the first period where the rest of the evening is going to go. And, dude, I really kind of feel like you kind of know what you're going to get.
0: Yep. Like if they get behind. Well, yeah, you know what you're going to get because although they have broken the lead, they've come back in a game where the other team scores first, the Vegas game, still lost. You still have lost every single time that the other team has scored. And that's the first hiccup that this, last year it was the benchmark of like, hey, you got to win one game to stop the snowball and seven game losing streak. They've got to have a game. Mike Vegas, where the other team scores first and they say, "Not, nope, we're back in this one, and tie it up and run with it and win the game. Because right now it just seems like the team knows. It's not just us that know. It yeah. seems the team knows that when one goal is going to go in, you're going to have a couple more that follow, and then it's going to be an uphill battle.
1: Dude, this is almost like – um, I-, I just don't know that I remember seeing a Blues team like this where I feel like I can so quickly identify – The the play of the evening, you know, like it just kind of feels like you get what you get when when, when you see him. All right, so speaking of one of those guys that uh, was probably not skating – pretty much all the time when he was out on the ice or, or going after loose pucks and things. The whole situation with Jakub oh,
0: Yeah, well, well, the poor guy was a minus three in the first three goals of that Columbus Blue Jackets game. Or no, it was the Blackhawks game. And, uh, and I remember, I think it was Lou Korak, who said very early
1: in that game, Lou Korak, who writes uh-huh. for NHL.com, um, said something about Verana back in the lineup and he is uh, like allergic to playing the puck against the boards or something along those mm-hmm. lines. And I always find it very telling when people like that go in with a stinging criticism like that. Too. Yeah. Because Lou Korak's not just saying that. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, pulling it out of his rear. So then we find out yesterday that uh, Jeremy had reported from Verona's agent that the team had put Verona on waivers. Correct. But then waivers happened, and Verona was not on there, <laughs> right. leading us to believe that maybe there is a trade in the works for Verona which is incredibly hard for me to believe same <laughs> that, that, that that that's you know what i mean Yeah. so what do we got going on
0: here uh, you know uh, first of all i'm very disappointed jr's not here today because i had so many shohei ohtani jokes ready for him of was he on a private jet somewhere that we didn't know about um did you did you talk to the team and find out like so many references and now i'm going to have to save them for when i see uh jr next but so so here's the thing him being, him, the, the agent being told that he's going on waivers isn't just out of the blue. Like, he's told from the blues, like, your, your guy's going on waivers. So, the only thing that would make sense, and JR's not the only one reporting that. Elliot Friedman also said, uh, he tweeted out that at one o'clock yesterday, like, wonder if there's a trade in the works. Right. You're not just throwing that out there just to speculate if you're Elliot Friedman or if you're Jeremy Rutherford. So, my guess is a team that would have been way down. In the waiver order because how it works is waivers go from the worst team to the best team each team's got an opportunity to claim Yakub Verana. my my guess is one of the teams that were way down in the waiver claims was like we want Yakub Verana, but we don't know if we're gonna get him so let's call the blues and find out if we can get something done or one of those teams towards the top of the waivers said we want your guy but not for what you're paying them so can they negotiate salary retention, which I thought was impossible because Detroit's already retaining salary. But my understanding is two teams can retain salary, and that's the max. So the Blues would be able to retain some of the salary if he gets traded elsewhere, if that happens. That's my guess with it to where why he wasn't placed on waivers. Somebody had to have called Doug Armstrong and said, let's see if there's something here. And he's not on the ice today. So, for people that were like, oh, well, maybe the Blues found, you know, uh, hope with him or something. No, that's not the case. He's not on the ice again today. If you tell the agent you're going on waivers, you're telling the agent he's not a part of the team. So, that seems to be like Yakub Varana moving on. Now, the question is, are you going to get traded somewhere? Which it it would make sense if a team sees Yakub Varana and says, well, this guy's got five on five goal scoring ability. Put him on our third line, or we put him with a. A savvy centerman who plays really good defense, and maybe we could get something out of it. Who do you who do you think? So I, David Panyota, who covers the NHL for the fourth period, he's on Sirius XM. He tweeted out yesterday, and I want to pull this up so I get the teams correct. He tweeted out yesterday uh, that the teams last season that were interested in Jakub Verana. I'm going to kill time as much as possible, so Dude, I can. Dude, you actually were doing such us. a you were doing such doing a great so job. My freaking phone! I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to really <laughs> take this right until he finds it. God. That's a problem. Oh, so so. David Panyota said several teams had expressed interest in Verona last season before the Red Wings dealt them to the Blues, and those teams were the New York Islanders, the Minnesota Wild, Montreal Canadiens, and Anaheim Ducks. So process of elimination here, you're not trading them to the Minnesota Wild. They don't have cap space, frankly, and I don't think you're going to trade them to the Central Division. And New York Islanders seem to be the one that makes the most sense because they need offense right now but I don't know what they're going to be sending back to you because Lou Lamarillo is not just going to be like, here, here's something of value for Yacoub Varana and Anaheim's going in the wrong way. I don't know if you want to put him on that team, and the same can be said for Montreal. So really, the only team that would make the most sense would be the New York Islanders, but Grant Francis, who covered the Islanders for the longest time, was like, that doesn't seem like a Lou Lamarillo move.
1: Yeah, but and also, too, man, if you have got a young team I would think that this is not the
0: kind of player that you want around your young team. And that's why I, Anaheim, Montreal, Chicago, although they're in the Central Division, all these bottom dwellers that are in rebuilding, San Jose, they, they don't, one, they don't need a pending UFA for $2 million. And two, for how this just went with a really good head coach in Craig Barubi, I don't know if other GMs are going to be saying, like, okay, well, Doug Armstrong and Steve Iserman both said, nuh uh. Uh, what's going on right now, right. you know? Like Vancouver to me, and I know there was a lot of speculation, it's not going to happen, but Vancouver to me is a team that would make sense. People have brought up that Andre Kuzmenko because it's another player that lost credit with his team and has shifted down to the fourth line. He scored 36 goals last season for him. Yeah. But he's a player that lost cred with Rick Tockett, and Rick Tockett is basically like a prototypical robot of Craig Berube. Like they're the same guy. Yeah. So you're not going to trade a guy who's got off-ice, or not off-ice problems, but on-ice problems for another guy who's got on-ice problems. So I, I, when they said that there was a trade in the work, Donnie, I'm like, no way. No way. Like, right. maybe somebody's going to trade a draft pick, but nobody's going to trade a draft pick for $2.6 million the rest of this season when they might want to upgrade at the deadline. So this is going to be fascinating to see what happens.
1: And it was, um, you know, I understand why uh, Robert Bortuzzo gets moved to, yeah. to the aisle, but uh you know, man, this is this is this is those times, Alex, where I find myself not being able to differentiate maybe between like a solid sports person and just a fan because, like, <laughs> I just love that big lug, man. I I, I was hoping to see him get did in you, every once in a while. Did and, you see
0: all the pictures of him in Sanford fighting and like? I will <laughs> <laughs> all the montages of Robert Portizo. Totally coming through. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. That was the first thing I saw. You know, funny story about that? I'm so pissed off of myself because I was sitting in the stands when that happened, and I didn't even think to pull up my phone and record it. I'm watching it go down and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. This is cool. But I
1: but see, but dude, you're in that moment yeah. and you're not expecting it, that. It wasn't at coming all. out at all. So like, yeah. I I would have just been. Whoa! That's crazy. I think I was like, "Oh, Jr., look at this." So the the one question that I do have, though, and and you know, and maybe this is silly or not, but like, I thought that Bobby Bortz was good insurance in case a D man went down. But I guess it just gets to the point where he's sitting too much. Maybe his agent says, "Hey." He'd like to play. Well, and
0: I I talked with Panger on pregame for the Chicago game, and Panger kind of alluded to, like, I think it was Bortuzzo that told Doug Armstrong, like, hey, I'd like to get in the lineup. And look, I understand Bort's wanting to get in the lineup. The guy wants to extend his career for one more year. He told Joey that in preseason, like, I want to go out there and play heavy this season because I want one more contract. Good for him to be able to be a guy who plays in the league for almost 15 years and so I don't have anything against him if he goes to Doug Armstrong and says, I'd like to play. Now, maybe he said, I'd like to play more here, and they just couldn't find the ice yeah. time for him. And look, like it or don't like it, there are contracts that are here that are playing. Plus, there are two guys that the Blues want to find out about. You've got Scott Perinovich, who should be in the lineup consistently, Tyler Tucker, who they're trying to figure out if he's an NHL guy. You've got Callie Rosen in the minors, who could play up here, Matthew Kessel, who could play in the up or who played up here last year, who's in the minors that they're excited about. It just it just seemed like it didn't make sense for Bortz in terms of finding ways to get into the lineup, and it sucks because it's not just how heavy he was and to have the insurance, it's, it's that Stanley Cup pedigree. And yeah. it's that veteran leadership that I just think is so dire that they're down to five guys now, Donnie, on this team that were on that Stanley Cup championship roster. And I, I looked at this going back to the Washington Capitals team up until this season – All teams that have won the Stanley Cup, Washington, Tampa those two years, Vegas, Colorado, they've got six or more guys on their team from those Stanley Cup seasons, and the Blues are down to five now. So this really is a transition, and if this ever needed to be put into perspective for fans of a retool, welcome to it, because Doug called it a new era of Blues hockey. And you're seeing that slowly progress that way. I don't know why it bums me out when, as you're saying that. <laughs> it, <laughs> it does. Like, I, I have no it's, idea, but I know that's how it has to work. I think it just bums you out because all of those guys are still having success. That's yeah. the hard part for people. And look, five years from now, we might not even be caring about the, 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 the bad years of post-Stanley Cup until they got into this because they open up a new window that goes on a hell of a run with all of these young players. But when you see O'Reilly putting up 13 goals, when you see Perron being a power play threat, when you see Petrangelo winning a Stanley cup, when you see Pat Maroon winning Stanley Cups, yeah, I'm sure it, it sticks in the crawl of some people, but for all those, those deals that are tough to watch, like, there are some guys that the Blues moved on from that opened up doors for guys like Robert Thomas sure. and for guys like Jordan Cairo and guys like Alexei torpchenko which might not have been here.
1: Yeah, and and there's there, there's always that evolution and that churn and stuff right. like that. All right, so uh, a couple of things, and these are just oddball things. Uh, I was thinking about this um, last week as I was watching the Blues and the and, and the Knights. Um, and, and it's not really an important question at this point, but I was just kind of curious. Is Alex Petrangelo putting together a Hall of Fame resume at this point in his career? Now, he's got two cups, but is the individual play of Alex alone Hall of Fame
0: worthy? Man, that's a really good question because when you think of defensemen in the NHL or the Hockey Hall of Fame, you think of points and Stanley Cups. And Petro's got points, but he's not putting up points like a Chris Pronger or an Al McInnes or a Nick Lidstrom. But then you think of a guy like Chris Chelios who was just so dominant. Now he had all of those cups obviously, but was such the shutdown defenseman. I personally think he's putting together a Hall of Fame resume because I don't think that's the last Stanley Cup he's going to win. Yeah. If I had to guess, Vegas is going to at least win one more during his time with with the with the Golden Knights, but you also look at a guy who's going to get to a thousand games, maybe more than a thousand games. And that's the other thing. He might've already hit a thousand games. If I'm saying this now, that sounds so stupid, but when you play over a thousand games as a defenseman and you eat as much ice time as he does, sure. You didn't win a Norris trophy. Didn't even really get those votes for the Norris trophy, but you were a part of two Stanley cup championship teams, maybe more. You played every single night. You weren't a guy that was in and out of the lineup and you ate 25 minutes a night to me. That's a Hall of Fame player.
1: Dude, there 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 needs to be two awards. There oh, needs yeah. to be a, a Norris Trophy for the defensive defenseman, the best lockdown sons of bitch out there, <laughs> and then there needs to be another one for the highest scoring defenseman or the most offensively gifted. Because, dude, when I see like Eric Carlson win the freaking Norris, I, I mean, I understand why, but like to me, that's not the spirit of what the award should be. Yeah, well, am
0: I wrong? I think you need to change the name. If you're gonna give a, the award to best offensive defenseman, it needs to be something else. You need to like be the most points by a defenseman or. Like if you're gonna say best defenseman in the NHL, it's got to be a guy. In Curves is always on this, which I agree with him. How can a guy that wins the best defenseman in the NHL not play the penalty kill? And that was Eric Carlson. Like that. That's that's the part. And sure, I understand that the dude put up 100 points. It's incredible. Put him in a 100 point club, say, he, you know, give him some type of badge, but don't label him the best defenseman in the NHL. Because be- that's not what it is. No, it's not. Because the guy should be the best defenseman in the NHL, in my opinion, is somebody who's playing power play time, penalty kill time. He's on the ice late in games, up or down, and he's contributing to a team to win hockey games. His plus minus is outstanding, which I know is a fickle stat, but he is just as good in his own end as he is in the offensive end. I think of Nick Lidstrom. I think of Chris Pronger. I think of Al McKenna's. I think of Scott Niederman. I think of those types of defensemen, and I know it's a different era. Even Kale McCarr deserved the the Norris Trophy when he got it. A hundred percent. Because the dude played penalty kill, power play time, and he put up all of those points. And see, that makes sense to me. Yeah.
1: I completely get that. But man, it to me just seems like it's not the freaking spirit of it, even yeah. in the slightest. All right. Well, Alex, I'm going to be real honest with you. I didn't eat breakfast this morning, and I'm frigging hungry. So uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna stop this now so that I can grab something That's to eat smart. here before I go on the air. That's smart. I just got this. Uh,
0: Don't stare at the vending machine too long, like our good buddy Jeff Burton. No, man, dude, that guy. I felt so bad. Now that you said it, I'm like, damn,
1: I was in there too, and no, I looked at him. It's so amazing though, because he would get this like sheepish sort of look on his face, and I, and I just knew that that is when the Jeff Burton old man was out. Yeah. And that he and 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 that he needed and that he needed help.
0: You know? And he needed one of those necklaces with a button to tell us like, come help me. Not because he's fell, but he needs a snack. Dude, it's so but it's so fun because like
1: so Jeff obviously like well we were great friends, so he busted my chops. I mean, literally busted my chops until the end. Till the end, Um, but like he was also so amazing that if he did something stupid, of absolutely taking it back. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? Like that was a dude that could give it. And take it yep. back. You've got something that can just give. Yep. Dude, he, like, and if you got him good, he enjoyed
0: that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> I, I love it, man, so, so, so much. Yeah. So I, I I, really just would love to figure out a way that we can work in a sort of Jeff-ism Every single episode,
0: we need like some Jeff like um, audio drops or something for our show to just like pop one in every once in a while. Because because you know what, sometimes you just need a little Burton. I could promise you what we'll be doing is when we're talking around the trade deadline time, we will bring back the Halle Berry comment from Jeff Burton (laughs) on the trade deadline. Dude, that was one of the best
1: best things ever. And I'll tell you what, man, you sent that to me, and I played that on the air. um, I believe the day after he passed away, and it was the. And I got to tell you. It is the most that I laughed and cried at the exact (laughs) same time, you know, because if there's any like 15, 20 seconds that encapsulate this man, it is, it is this. And it's just, and and I just wish man that like, I could be so witty.
0: I know. He was so quick.
1: Dude, in the history of this building, and we have a lot of talented people in this building, a lot. He's quicker than every single one of them. Yep. Every single day, man. Mm -hmm. It was just, dude, it was just.
0: Crazy. I know.
1: The guy is dying of cancer, literally dying of cancer. I'm in his hospice room. He asked me to pull something out of a drawer for him. So I go. The, the drawer is right next to his bed. I open the drawer, and at the same time, I turn my head, and I look, and my face is very close to Jeff. <laughs> and Jeff looks at me with all the seriousness in the world and goes, what do you want, me to kiss you? And- <laughs> That's and amazing. It just, just dude, like like <laughs> like it just it was just oh God, it was just so amazing. But you know what though, the wonderful thing, Alex, is seriously, you know, I don't get as I get sad, but I don't get as sad. And when we have these stories about him that we all laugh about, that yeah. we all crack up about, I think it's perfect. Mm. It's like it's you know, yep. man, like it's it's exactly it's the memories perfect. Of them. It don't it, it, you know, I mean, it's not that it's not sad, because it certainly is, but man,
0: like it
1: just you know, man, it just well, makes me laugh.
0: You always say how would he want it? And I'm sure he'd be wanting this reaction to it. Like like I've said on this podcast before, I only got to work with him a short amount of time which I feel blessed to have that short amount of time but I got to work with him during that Blues alumni game at the, um, during the, the, the All-Star festivities yep. where we held it at Centene. He was outstanding and was popping jokes on the bench with all of those players and then I got to do like four pre and post games with you and Jeff which uh, my dream come true. I did wish we could have gotten that one with him for in the playoffs but good for him not being there because that was the Colorado avalanche late game that you know ended it all but uh we'll obviously be thinking about Jeff so much tonight hockey fights cancer night at the arena so he's going to be in everyone's mind but I got that uh I got that Halle Berry cut on my phone and every time you need a good laugh I'll pop that one up and Jeff's able to kind of brighten your day which is always good and I
1: had totally forgotten that tonight was hockey fights cancer night uh, against Detroit and you know that's that's going to be something else too, man, because you know that there's going to be some people that are going to put if they do the cards that they're going to write Jeff oh, yeah. on there.
0: Well, one night never makes me tear up more than that night, and I mean, I've everybody's been impacted by cancer somehow. Yeah. My grandmother passed away from it, but uh, when you see all of those signs come up and you know Jeff Burton's name is going to be on there, Kelly Chase, of course, is going through his battle right yeah. now. There's going to be a big thing about him there tonight, and they always they always make it real dusty in that damn arena because they bring some type of cancer survivor and they ring the damn bell. It just starts getting real dusty up in the broadcast booth. You got to step away, but it's one hell of a night. And I always love these nights at uh, not just the blues. The NHL does it so well of, all, I mean, Pro Sports does it, but yeah. the NHL specifically, I man, when they have those nights for every team, it's really awesome. That's gonna be it's gonna be not only that, but also this Red Wings team with Patrick Kane coming in,
1: David Perron, and yeah. it's gonna be uh it's gonna be something else. Thank you very much, Mr. Ferrari. That's right, Donnie for Alex and Jamie Rivers, as well as Jeremy Rutherford and our homeboy Jeff Burton. It's Donnie Fandango for the Last Minute Blues Podcast. As always, thank you very much for listening. To Let's go, blues.
0: The last minute blues podcast. Hear more at 1057 the point dot com.